Welcome to Meet the Leader, a podcast where top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. Today's leader, Ramon LaGuarta. He's the chief executive officer of multinational food and beverage giant PepsiCo. He'll talk about what's truly needed to transform business for the future. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review us. I'm Linda Lucina from the World Economic Forum, and this is Meet the Leader. I always think that with crises, there are opportunities, and companies that can transform crises into opportunities are the ones that thrive. What's really needed to scale change? That question was at the heart of my conversation with Ramon LaGuarta, the CEO of PepsiCo. He's helping to drive a transformation that rethinks how the company does business, right down to a more sustainable alternative to things like the classic aluminum can. We talk a lot on this podcast on the ways companies are working urgently on the critical changes that will protect both planet and profits. Ramon chatted with me about the block and tackle of those efforts, how it involves partnerships that can de-risk investments, consumption models that trigger and scale new habits, and the right mix of internal collaboration and competition that spur innovative thinking. He talked to me about these elements and how leaders can think intentionally to ensure that the short term nurtures the long and the unique role that company culture will play. He talked about all of that, including how he's changed as a leader in his more than 25 years at PepsiCo. But first, we'll get back to that aluminum can and packaging and what's needed to green hard to abate industries such as aluminum. As part of the uh, broader transformation of, of the company, uh, we're trying to change the packaging that we use, right? And, and aluminum is an important uh, material for us, in, especially in our beverage business. So uh, moving from, uh, let's say, uh, dirty aluminum to <laughs> green, clean aluminum, it's part of the uh, transformation we're making in the industry. Um, th- there is not enough green aluminum. So th- the role we're playing in this, um, this particular case is being first movers, uh, joining some other partners yeah. in um, giving demand signal to the manufacturers and making sure that they understand our needs, they understand the scale of this potential opportunity so they can invest to you know, develop a, a new material. There is an, uh, an incremental cost for these new materials. So uh, I think we need leader, we need companies that want to take that leadership position in taking an additional cost to their P&L because by scaling these materials, we know that 10 years from now, those materials will be very similar in cost to the existing materials, whilst clearly having a very different impact in the world. So that, that's the role we see ourselves playing in transformation of technologies or materials or uh, just business models that can make a big difference to the people on the planet in the future, but they have an early cost and we can help minimize those future costs by taking that leadership position today. And uh, PepsiCo is part of our First Movers Coalition, which invests in sort of uh, innovations and things to to kind of make big changes like this. How important is it for companies, leaders who want to make transformations to go be part of things that uh, where they can easily connect with other like-minded business owners? I think the First Mover uh, Alliance 
is it's one of the best examples that we have how uh, WEF has put us together, a group of leaders that we share the same values, we share the same long-term perspective in how our companies can evolve to continue to be successful. And we're, uh, we chose a few key materials that we think will be part of the future uh, portfolio of solutions that we have. And we've joined forces to give signals to these manufacturers, make sure we de-risk their investments, because at the end, that's what we're here for, de-risk investments on new riskier propositions. And uh, I think the, uh, you know, the early adopters uh, alliance is, is one of the, uh, the most uh, critical ones we're doing. We're trying to bring even more players. So we not only have to walk the talk at the beginning, but also recruit more players to these alliances. And I think we're in the process of that. Actually, we had a meeting today and, and that was one of the messages. We want more people to join the alliance, to put their business at risk, relative risk, you know, to make sure we scale at these new solutions. You mentioned packaging and there's a few initiatives you guys have. One of them is looking at um, reusable packaging and reuse formats. There's a pilot program that's helping to sort of test metrics and that's con uh, connected to our Consumers Beyond Waste initiative. Anyway, can you tell us a little bit about uh, why it's important to sort of test new ways to have reusable packaging? We have you know, one, one mission, which is make sure that packaging never becomes waste. Uh, you know, some many players in the industry share the same vision, which is good for the industry in itself. Now, as part of the solution set, there will be reduction in plastic. So I think we're all trying to lightweight our bottles and eliminate unnecessary plastics and so on. So that's one pillar. There is recycling. Recycling needs to be part of the solution, both in our case, mechanical recycling and chemical recycling. And there's a lot of debates on whether chemical recycling is part of the solution or not. I th we think it has to be both for flexible and for rigid packaging. And then there's this, I think, more innovative way, which is reuse. Reuse, uh, you know, both taking, if you think about beverages, taking the more traditional way of bringing the bottles back to the original point, clean them and bring them back to the consumer. That's kind of the uh, refillable, uh, returnable way. And then... The most exciting for me is new consumption models. New consumption models uh, where we empower the consumer to create their own drinks in their home or in their workplace or somewhere else. And we give them solutions, uh, both equipment and, you know, in our case, concentrates or powders or tablets to prepare their own drinks. Imagine uh, Gatorade, for example, right? Gatorade, you know, very well-known drink with, you know, high functionality for consumers. The, the future of Gatorade is a uh, personalized solution. So every one of, each one of us has different hydration needs, sodium, potassium combinations, whatever. Now we know what your needs are. We can prepare special powders for you that you, you know, you, you, you put in a bottle with water in your own home. So imagine we're not only saving plastics, we're saving CO2, we're saving transportation costs, saving pollution you know, by empowering consumers to create their own solutions. We're, we're also scaling up the SodaStream business. SodaStream is you know, a, a solution where uh, obviously you can create uh, you know, sparkling water, but you can create Pepsi, uh, you can create other drinks right at home with your own levels of sweetening, with your own levels of carbonation, whatever. So 
I'm very excited with each one of those solutions, recycling, reuse, the more conventional way, but I'm very interested in um, legislation and incentives that um, kind of move companies to innovate in new consumption models. And we don't know what they will be. I think we need to empower our people to come up with innovation, uh, but they will surprise us. And I think we can solve for multiple problems, plastic, gas emissions, uh, pollution, uh, water usage, a lot of the things that they're converging into what is gonna be the future consumption model. Now, measuring reuse and having the right legislation around it, uh, it, it is one of the discussions we're having now. Um, we wanna make sure from our point of view, and I think most of our beverage industry is aligned, we wanna make sure that legislation is not too uh, narrow and that prevents innovation from happening. Happening, right. So, what are these new reuse models of the future versus trying to uh, have accounting and measures that just have us in the more traditional returnable model model, which is was great. It will continue to be part of the solutions, but there's many more that we need to empower our companies to do. When we talk about business transformation, we need to sort of build new capabilities. We need to sort of shift mindsets. We need to build awareness um, for things like this new business model, right? This new con consumption model. Um, what needs to happen on the back end at Pepsi to sort of just even invent it and then move it forward and then make the change of actually producing it? <laughs> what yeah. needs to happen on the back end? Well, there's a lot of things that need to happen, yeah. right? The first, there has to be a group that believes in this and innovates around it. Now, uh, what happens with internally in the companies normally is that these new business models compete with the old business models. So you're going to have some healthy um, competition internally. And in my case, I have to uh, make sure that there is collaboration, but at the same time, there is com you know, competition between different parts of the company to bring the new models um, you know, forward. I need to make sure that the, um, the short term doesn't kill the long term. So I have to ensure that there is enough funding protected for the new future models to, uh, to um, you know, scale up and become profitable. Well, normally there is a, uh, they tend to be lower profit models at the beginning yeah. and organizations, you know, we're, our, our, you know, our DNA here is, you know, making profitable businesses and that's how companies are run. So sometimes there could be a short term mentality that kills the long term big idea. So the role of the leaders is ensure that there's enough funding, there's enough strategic understanding of the potential of new business models and that organizations don't kill big ideas early on in the journey. So these things have to happen. Now, we also have to um, you know, work with our customers, sure that those new business models get, uh, get created. We need to work with our suppliers because they also have assets that are locked to uh, traditional business models. So there's, a, there's an end-to-end transformation that needs to happen for new business models to, uh, to be alive. Now in companies, you know, we need to empower innovation. We need to reward risk-taking. Uh, those are transformational things. We need to make sure that we uh, go from uh, looking inside to learning to make uh, trustable partnerships, trusting our competitors sometimes to build new models. And there is a lot of conversations, pre-competitive conversations in a lot of industries trying to solve for big problems of the industry. And we go together to governments and we go together to suppliers to 
try to have open conversations or what would be uh, win-win ways to change uh, current consumption models into the future and, and have the right incentives for the industry, build the right infrastructure, you know, things that would favor the whole industry and would allow uh, industries to move forward. So that, that those are new leadership traits sometimes. These are new skills, uh, soft skills and, 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 and competent skills that we have to build in our organizations, our people. Uh, I'm going to ask you a question that you, you may not even be able to answer, but I'm just curious. Uh, for something like this, this new consumption model, how many people would be involved you know, in the whole thing, in the whole thing across the across the suppliers, the, your staff? There's uh, hundreds of people involved from the consumer insights, how you know people on the trying to understand consumers, um, what are the uh, dissatisfactions of current models, which are at the end are normally the uh, signal points for new innovations. To people in our R&D uh, groups that are the, normally the ones thinking about it, they already involve obviously suppliers, external suppliers in capacities we don't have or capabilities. And then obviously once you land it into the business, the manufacturing, the sourcing, the uh, the selling, the, these are these are big efforts. So we need to uh, uh, transform organizations at scale for everything we're saying, right? So reuse models or recycling models or um, net zero uh, transportation. Imagine, you know, some of the you know, cha challenges we have as a company is we are one of the largest fleet uh, in, you know, in the U.S., but also in other countries, Mexico and others. Now, that's a big source of CO2 emissions for us. If we want to decarbonize PepsiCo, we need to change the way we do transportation. You know, we have to engage our suppliers in, you know, new models, right? And you heard about Tesla. We have been working with Tesla to have heavy trucks, uh, long range uh, vehicles, but we're also working with many other suppliers to solve for different problems in that same bigger uh, vision to decarbonize our transportation. So again, a lot of engineers, a lot of visionary people, a lot of people that can take those visions into small details on how you find solutions, right? These are hard problems to solve that um, require conviction, require long-term thinking, require um, resilience because you fail many times and you have to keep trying. So it's very interesting from the leadership, from the uh, commitment to a vision, how important it is uh, that the leaders in the company, and, and I'm not talking myself, I'm talking all my team and many more top leaders in the company, where we believe in Pet Positive, which is our holistic transformation, and uh, just you know having the passion to uh, deliver that vision is is what I, I think will make us a successful company 20 years from now. Is there a framework maybe that can help leaders to uh, manage the long term while they're uh, working in the day to day? Is there a question they should ask themselves or, or some kind of thing to make sure that they're always factoring in the long term? There is obviously a, a mindset and there is a uh, belief, as I was saying, conviction, but there are processes in our operating planning and um, so there has to be a process very intentional to protect long-term investment. So it has to come from me, the CFO, like we, whenever we do operating plans in the key markets, we're saying, okay, guys, what are the, uh, the, the today's investments and the tomorrow's investments and the future investments needs to be kind of you know, isolated from the short-term dynamics. Obviously, if there is some major disruption throughout the year, you need to rethink you know, the operating plan, but also in those moments of reallocation of resources, there, there is a, a mindset to say, okay, how do we 
um, you know, manage the short term and how do we maybe reprioritize the long term bet without sacrificing the output? I mean, and, and it's more a, an art than a science, how you do it. Uh, you have to take people with you in the process. They need to understand uh, how, how it works. There might be some uh, compensation yeah. Im- implications, right, in the process. So we need to sometimes protect compensation for leaders to make sure that they're not, you know, kind of uh, eliminating our success for the future for today's benefits. So th- those are things that processes in, in, in the reallocation in moments of um, when everything goes well is easy. When the things get tougher, how do you reallocate without sacrificing long term? And then compensation and, and overall culture of the company, I think is important. The culture enables the future as well. Mm-hmm. Is there an experience that you had maybe at another point in your career that has helped prepare you to, to manage this transformation? I've always thought of myself as, as someone that wants to um, build solid foundations for the business of the future. And, and, and that has always been my, my mentality uh, from the first time I was a, a GM in Greece in 1998, I think. How I think about my role is to build a stronger business than when I took it and leave it for the next leader stronger than what it, what it was. And I think always about people. So the, the leadership team of the markets I've always led, that's where I put my focus. Like, what is this leadership team, the culture, and, and how do we, uh, I create this team that is visionary, is working together. There's levels, high levels of trust. So that's one element. The other element has been big changes to big things that will make the business stronger. When I took the, uh, the role of CEO at PepsiCo, it, it was first, it was pivoting to growth, making sure the company accelerated its growth. And, you know, we took some risks with uh, higher A&M levels, higher CapEx levels. The company has been successful. We've been winning in the marketplace for the last four years. We've been accelerating our growth, our profit. But then the other big element was for me, again, building this long-term transformation of the company that will make the company successful five years, 10 years, 15 years. Well, I, when I will not be around, right, in 10, 15 years. But I want to make sure that both the leaders that come up to the leadership roles at that time have the culture, the team, the vision, start this uh, transformation so that, you know, it will, it will make their life easier, right? To continue to perform and transform the company in the right way. So that, that is, I think, the legacy I like to leave and the purpose of my kind of everyday life, no? Is there something that you do now as a leader that just wouldn't have occurred to you at the beginning of your career? As you become more kind of uh, mature, I would say, let's call it that way, not older, mature. <laughs> uh, you reflect on the importance of taking others with you, making them feel that they are the ones really making the difference versus earlier in your career, uh, I guess we're self- more selfish and uh, more insecure and is more about you trying to be the one that gets the uh, the winning, you know, the, the victory. Uh, I think you become more uh, generous, you become less selfish, you become more about the team and less about yourself. And, you know, I, I think it's a much more sustainable way of running businesses. You know, it is your team that 
delivers the victory uh, versus just one individual. And, and, and that has been a transformation sometimes where I, I, I feel it myself. I, I was um, passionate, aggressive, trying to win sometimes at any cost versus I think now it's a much more balanced way of uh, delivering that, you know, the best for the company. In my case, um, obviously it's been just time and experience, but also my own sons. I mean, I have three sons and they're now in their late 20s going through teenage sure. <clears throat> kids it makes you like realize well, there, there is a very different way to take people with you and influence people i mean i'm their father right i'm not yeah. like the ceo of pepsico and it's, it's a very different way to influence people and take people along and uh yeah it makes you reflect there's a lot of uh, crises simultaneously happening the poly crisis i'm sure you've heard that so far at davos um what should leaders be prioritizing this year you know, we, we, we keep putting the consumer at the center of everything we're doing. I mean, I think the consumer has to be has to be telling us where to innovate, how to price, where to put the priorities of our company. So that's one element. The second is our associates. Make sure that we, we put them at the center as well. They've been through very tough times. I mean, the COVID was massive impact to our people. Uh, obviously, now inflation and, and all these issues, cost of living is impacting our people. There's some we're seeing some mental health challenges across the company, not only our company, other companies. So putting people at the center, both consumers and our people, uh, make sure they're engaged, they're empowered, they they are you know happy and active when they come to the company and, and, and working for PepsiCo is a, uh, it's a uh, sign of proud, and it, it is critical. Now, when it comes to the business, I think we're gonna have to put efficiency probably more at the center of other years. We've always been a good at, at putting efficiency at the center of our business, but I think efficiency and transformation probably will have to have more priority in, in these coming years. But I always think that with crises, there are opportunities and companies that can transform crises into opportunities are the ones that thrive. That was Ramon LaGuarta. Thanks to him and thanks so much to you for listening. A transcript of this episode and my colleagues' episodes, Radio Davos and the Book Club podcast, is available at wef.ch podcasts. If you liked that episode, check out episode 62 from this past November. It's a roundup of seven leaders, including Egypt's Minister for International Cooperation, Rania Al-Mashat, and Miami's Chief Heat Officer, Jane Gilbert. They share the innovative solutions and thinking that's needed for climate action. This episode of Meet the Leader was presented and produced by me with Juan Toran as studio engineer, Taz Kelleher as editor, and Gareth Nolan driving studio production. That's it for now. I'm Linda Lucina with the World Economic Forum. Have a great day. <laughs>